Guns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, everybody, look. It's Chris Paul. Chris Paul out on top. Spins to his left. Puts up a three-pointer. Shazam! Well, four three-pointers for CP3 tonight. He has done the job. Four of five from three-point range. Welcome to the party, pal. Oh, man, he was good. Come on in. He's good. He's really good. He was good. Now, is it sustainable? Is he back? Is it, you know, time will tell. We don't know the answer to that. But I think the... Uh, the rivalry with the Warriors playing against Steph and Clay, I think that got him up. I mean, I think that woke him up. That 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 lifted him. He hit his first three pointer of the game just two forty one into the game. Uh, then he had another three pointer with about five minutes and forty four seconds left to gave Phoenix a twenty to twelve lead. That was part of a thirteen nothing run. He came out at the four twenty two mark for Cameron Payne. Then he knocked down that three at the buzzer yep. at the end of the first half, mm-hmm. which crowd went nuts over that. Uh, it, you know, he hit another three-pointer with a minute and a half left in the game when the Suns were clearly, you know, playing the bench players. But overall, I thought that was a solid game for Chris Paul. I mean, we want to see him take those open. And they were open. They were all wide open. Yep. Like, the, those three-pointers are like, it's almost teams are... That, that first one he took, there wasn't anybody within 10 feet of him. Like, no one within 10 feet. They, it's almost like, we're going to give you this shot because you haven't been taking it. If he starts hitting those, he'll draw defenses to him, and that will create his ability to, to do what he normally does and try to get to that elbow and make some passes under the basket. I mean, look, this whole conversation about Chris, and we pointed this out yesterday, too, when we were talking about Chris. It's so, it's so early. We're four games into the season. Nobody's reaching any definitive conclusions about CP3, but needless to say, we were a little worried. We're a little worried when the guy goes one for eight from the three-point line, and we're a little worried when he's shooting one for 11 for the season from the three-point line, and he and he's actively passing up shots, and that's and we talked about this a lot yesterday. I think that's what I was more concerned about than anything else. It wasn't even so much the percentage of his makes, it was how he was passing up shots to the point where yesterday, Monty Williams felt compelled pregame to say, we we need Chris Paul to shoot the ball more. Shoot the ball. Go ahead. I mean, it, it, it's there. Take it. And Chris Paul, after the game, said. I shot eight of them last game. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, when you got so many weapons on our team, a lot of times you're facilitating, you know. And, um, I'm going to shoot. I promise. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. <laughs> Don't <Yeah>. worry. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> you wouldn't think that you need to to tell a player like that to shoot. You would think you would tell like a new player coming to the team that, you know, uh, you know, that just wants to fit in or a rookie or something. You're not thinking you're a 20-year veteran. You're, hey, you got to shoot the ball, Mo. We need you to shoot the ball. Chris Paul should know. If I, if I get a wide open three, I got to take that. I'm a Hall of Fame player. Like, I should be able to knock down wide open threes all day, every day. Like, I should be able to do that. I thought he had a good game. I thought he had a really good game. Uh, did get the technical for flailing his arms when he got upset with the call. Chris always has that. You know, he has that. Oh, sure. Tim Duncan used to have that look. Chris has the arms. Chris uses his arms when he gets really upset well, the, with the, the referee. The rip through, right? When, oh, he, when he's, he's trying to get yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he uses that. But I, I thought overall, right, five for ten from the field, four out of five from three-point range. He came in one for 11. 
came in for one for 11. Four to five is great. Nine assists, seven rebounds, plus 21 when he was on the court. He was an impact player for them. He was an impact. It's nice to see him be an impact player for the Phoenix Suns for the first time in a few games. It was. Um, he also spoke last night about just kind of learning to shoot when he's not the primary ball handler. And that's obviously something that's a change for the Suns right now. I mean, Chris is still the point guard for the Phoenix Suns, but obviously they're using other guys as the primary ball handler. And so he's kind of relearning his role at least a little bit when it comes to that. No, I think it's something we all sort of talked about going into the season. Uh, We wanted to be uh, just harder to guard. You know, a lot of teams last year in the playoffs was trying to pick me up full court and you know, just me being the primary ball handler. So uh, it's fun. Uh, I can actually shoot. You know what I mean? Just majority of my career, I've always been the playmaker. So it's nice to get a few catch and shoots. It's something I got to get used to because I'm usually always creating for other guys. But uh, it's been nice to, to get some catch and shoot. He's a career 44% three-point shooter on catch and shoot three-pointers, right? Yeah. So not like he's dribbling into his shot, but like Chris Paul off the ball, off catch, the ball shoot, catch and shoot 44%. Yeah, if he if he, if he he hits at 40, anything of 40% or above, is you know, you, you'll take that. Yeah. So he's just, he's, and we had kind of suspected that this might be a little bit of what was going on. Now, we were worried about the age thing, right? And, and there was a lot of talk yesterday are. about father time. And of course we still are. But I, 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 I always thought that these first few games, even these first few weeks, were going to be about developing other options offensively so that if is if Chris is removed from the equation, like he was removed from the equation last year against Dallas, it doesn't gum up the whole thing, right? I mean, it's like Dallas took Chris out of the game in that series last year, and the, the Suns' offense broke. I mean, it just broke. It, it, it wasn't the same. They're using these first few weeks, I think, to figure out how to unbreak the Suns' offense when somebody tries to do the same thing to Chris, like happened last year with Dallas. Yeah, now the thing is, is this sustainable? Is Chris back? Is he going to play like this on a uh, on a regular basis, he'll have plenty of games like this. The question is, can he do it consistently? And I don't have an answer. Nobody does. We have to see. You know, look at these next couple of games. I mean, is Chris going to be more competent? Now, now the next, if he has a game and he shoots one for five from a three, we can't be like, oh, that's going to happen. You know, but on a regular basis, is Chris going to give you the 15 plus points and, you know, seven to 12 assists and, and five to seven or eight rebounds and, and just impact the game because, you know, that's he, he he can impact the game without scoring because he's such a great passer. So he can impact the game without scoring. Now, he did that against the Clippers. He had a lot of assists. He just didn't shoot yeah. the ball very well. But if he shoots the ball, that's that's the elite Chris Paul. That's the Hall of Fame Chris Paul. That's the guy that, if not, then he's like a Ricky Rubio or he's just like a, he's somebody that's, I'm a really good passer. I'll get a lot of assists, but I'm not going to score a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, Monty, after the game on Chris? It's got to be a confidence builder, but Chris doesn't need confidence. He, he's never lacking there. I think he's just really intentional about what he thinks is the right play, which is somebody else taking the shot and Kevin Young book Jake Aspar Denise Romero like everybody's telling Chris to shoot the ball <laughs> because he's a good shooter and whether it's off the dribble or in catch shot environments we just we want him to shoot because a lot of times when you turn down the shot it throws off your, your rhythm a bit yeah 
and I think that was part of the problem too for him. Look, nobody wants nobody wants the Chris Paul window to close. It's going to close eventually. I mean, at some point, it's 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 destined yeah. to right. But you also don't want to be forced to prop it open. You know, you want to you want it to stay open without having a. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it, right? Exactly. I, I want forced to prop uh, the thing open. I and want the window to stay open a, on its own, a, not because I shove a stick in it, right, right to hold it up, yeah. you know, to keep it from falling and slamming shut and breaking glass everywhere. Because yeah, that means it's coming down fast, and you're doing everything you can to just hold on. Uh, uh, listen, this is this is one of the great players that's ever played the game, and and, and to see him struggle, uh, we're seeing it with the NFL right now with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. It's hard. It's hard to see a great player like this that you're not used to struggling. He's defied age. He's defied father time. You said it yesterday. There's been only seven players that have started at that position 50 games or more at his age. Yep. Seven in the history of the game. History of the league. Like, it's what he's doing is rare. But, you know, for the sake of the Suns, they need him to be a great player in order to win. Week eight of Bix Picks. It's underway. Text the word PICK to 62620. Sign up. Compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will also receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Text the word PICK. It's a 620-620 to answer. What is it exactly that has allowed the Vikings to be 5-1 and one to start the season? Well, like a lot of things, it's a lot of things. And that's next on Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Gambo here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, John Gambador, Dave Burns, along, of course, with the whole team, Eric Ruby, Mitch Vereldis, hanging out with you on this Wednesday afternoon. James Jones, the general manager of the Suns, by for his weekly visit coming up in 15 Good timing. Minutes. It's always good timing. After a Warriors victory. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, he'll be, I'm sure he'll be pretty fired up. He was fired up a week ago when we talked to him before the yeah. season opener. He's yeah. got more reason to be fired up now. Um it's easy to look at the Vikings and say, okay, they're 5-1, and one, and, and okay, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. They have been, record-wise, one of the best teams in the NFL. Why are the Minnesota Vikings 5-1? and one? What are they doing that's allowing them to be 5-1 and one so far? Kirk Cousins has played fine. He's played well. Justin Jefferson is elite. He's very good. The defense has been okay. The offense has been pretty good. You know, sometimes in spurts, excellent. But one of the big things with the Vikings, when you kind of dig just a little bit deeper, yeah, it's the little little things they do well, and sure. they just seem to be doing them better than lots of teams in the NFL so yeah, far. Start with takeaways; they've got ten of them, right? They've got five interceptions, they got five fumble recoveries, so they're getting after it. That's one of the things O'Connell wanted to do when he got there. He wanted to make sure that hey, we concentrate a little bit on on taking the ball away and and getting those turnovers, and they've been able to do that. They've been able to get those turnovers. That's a big thing. Listen, it's one of the reasons with the Cardinals are are in a pretty good spot right now is because, you know, the Cardinals do a good job of protecting the ball and they've come up with some key turnovers, right? We talked about the four touchdowns that they've scored on interceptions and fumble recoveries from their defense. So that's a big thing right there is the takeaways. Another one would be penalties. Yep. I mean, they their defense has committed just six penalties for 45 yards. That's it. 
That's it. Six penalties, 45 yards. So they're avoiding a lot of those big penalties. And so if you include offense, defense, and special teams, they've been flagged 25 times. That's the second lowest in the NFL behind the Rams. And their total is a league low, 185 yards. So you look at that. Opponents have been flagged 43 times for 368 yards. Burns, that's a net difference of 183 yards. So you factor in the takeaways. They've got the five interceptions, the five fumble recoveries. They're doing a good job with that. Then you throw in the fact that they're a very disciplined team. They don't mm-hmm. you know, take a lot of penalties, so they don't put themselves in the holding. All right, sits down. It's, you know. Second and twenty, or there's you know there's there's another penalty. It's third and fifteen. There's a false start penalty. There's right. a holding penalty. There's a pass interference penalty. They're not getting those penalties that you know that that can really hurt you on drives and on defense. Give teams first downs on offense makes it make it hard to get a first down. Yeah, it, th- those are two key ones. Of course, we've already talked. And if you, you haven't joined us earlier in the week, we've already had a couple of conversations about how remarkably injury free they've been all year and. and that there's that's mostly luck, obviously. Although I did read, I read one story today trying to suggest that maybe it was the impact of their new executive director of player health and performance, a guy they brought with them from the Rams, as if he's the sports science techniques that he's using is somehow helping with the soft tissue injuries, and maybe he's got like the magic secret formula to avoiding those that other teams don't, because they've only had one really injured player all year. They've been remarkable. Have they, is that because maybe of him? Maybe. It's probably more luck. Than I got a way to combat. Else. I got a way to combat that. We just get Kevin Harlan to say the Vikings have been injury free <laughs> all year. It's <laughs> like you did with Steph Curry. He hasn't missed a free throw and then blank blank. There's this, this other stat that yeah. is is a, it's a little bit more detailed, but it's pretty simple to explain. In the final four and a half minutes of either half. The Vikings are plus 33 in point differential. They're really good at the the last four minutes of the first half and the last four minutes of the second half. What does that remind me of? The Phoenix Suns last year in the last five minutes of a game. That's I, I hadn't even thought of it. So it but that's exactly it. that's exactly what it is. The, the ability to, to turn it on, knowing that knowing that there is going to be a break coming up here, either the end of the game for the Suns was the end of the game. Yeah, the final five minutes, we're going to kick your ass. There's nothing you can do about it. That, and, and that was like there was one stat that I'm not a stat guy. You know this. There was one stat I was trying to hold on to for the for for all of that it was that the Suns not you know not blowing that lead right when they had the lead oh, going when they into had the, the lead after four quarters after, or four after quarters. three quarters after three quarters yeah. when they had the lead. And then their you know clutch time games clutch time minutes were big final that. five minutes when it's five points or less right so yeah. what are the Vikings give me the numbers again plus thirty three point differential in the final four and a half minutes of either half I mean that's focus that's attention that's bearing down I don't know that that's a fluke stat I think that's you know just making sure that you you know at the when you have the ball you try to get some points on the board and you know when you're on defense just just try to buckle down and not give up anything go into go into the locker room with some momentum some momentum at halftime and then finish out those games strong I mean you know that's discipline right but the other things that we talked about help with that right the the lack of penalties help with that the the turnover battle that helps with that right when you're you're forcing all these 
turnovers that can help you have a differential like that in the, at the end of a half or at the end of a game. Because I tell you, I mean, you know, I was just doing some real like surface level kind of look at the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, yeah. look, five and one is five and one, but trying to figure out why they're five and one, I'm looking at their offense, I'm looking at their defense, and they're fine. You know, I mean, they're 13th in the NFL in points per game, and they're 12th in the NFL in points per game allowed. Yeah, they're a pretty good intangible team. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the numbers don't, there are some numbers that like jump out at you, right? And you go, man, their third down defense is really good, but man, their red zone defense is really bad. They are very much an intangible team, which kind of suggests, you know, I know you were a Mike Zimmer fan, kind of suggests that they needed someone to come in and tighten down the loose screws a little bit, right? Like that team had gotten away from its principal cores. That team had gotten away from kind of some fundamental stuff and maybe was was just sloppy and undisciplined and not paying attention to the little stuff like that. And under Mike Zimmer, I mean, look, the, the guy, blunt as they come, tell it like it is, old school football coach all the way, but it does seem like Kevin O'Connell's kind of come in taking a bunch of loose screws, took out the screwdriver and kind yeah. of screwed everything down a little bit. Look, right? A long, long time ago, Pat Riley told me that you've got you got a certain amount of time to make an impact as a coach or the players start tuning you out. I said, what do you, I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, you tell a player, you tell a player, follow me, do everything I ask you to do and we'll win. Okay, first year, they do everything you ask them to do and you don't win. Okay, second year, keep following me, do everything I tell you to do and we're going to win. Second year goes by, okay, coach, all right, I'm doing everything you told me to do. We're, we're doing everything that we were asking and we didn't win. Third year goes by. Guys, continue to do what I... And after a while, the message wears off if you don't win. So, like with Zimmer, it may have been that. Like, you you could be a good coach and you've got a good message and everything. You're telling the players, follow me. And and it doesn't matter. Like, you, you, you with talent-wise, you, you're going to tell the players, every coach is telling the players, do what I want you to do and we're going to win football games. No coach is out there. Hey, listen, you guys do everything that I tell you to do. And I'm telling you, we're going to go 6-11 and 11 this year. <laughs> we'll win six guys. No, we're going to win six. Nobody's saying that. Every coach in the NFL is telling their team that they have a chance to get to the playoffs and have success if they do what the coach is telling them to do. Follow us. Follow my direction. Follow my lead. Follow your coaches. Do everything. But that message can wear off quickly. You don't have 10 years anymore. You don't have five years. You've got three years to start showing that you can win or the players start to... I'm not going to do what you tell me. I've been doing it for three years. You know how many games I've won? I'm not going to keep... Yeah. I'm not going to keep doing everything. I'm busting my ass doing everything you tell me to do. It's not working. You kind of roll your eyes a little bit. Yeah, you okay, start, you yeah, start not giving the 100% effort that you did when he first got there. It's just the truth. And that's so, you know, I, and, and I, again, I, that Pat Riley told me that. And uh, I followed up and I asked him about it some more and he explained it to me. Uh, it was a one-on-one I had with Pat Riley and we just talked about that for a while and I've always believed that. And I've always followed that through. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I get it. I get it why that coach has to be fired it, now. It is interesting to take it for what it's worth. It's, it's the Vegas gambling line. Cardinals are only three and a half point underdogs in this game. You know, there, there's, not, so there's not a lot of belief it, in the Vikings. There's not a lot of, hey, man, they're great. What do you get now? Hey, two for home team? Is it two, yeah, not they've, three? They've reduced it. It's, it's two. It's, it used to be three. It used to be the home team just what by default got three, got three. Yeah. And now, because the numbers have kind of evened out a little bit in terms of home teams and how they do at home, I think it's down to like a point and a half or two that the home team gets. So it's not like I, I, I went to go look at the spread today, just curious. And I was thinking probably, you know me, I kind of like to mess around with these and set lines. I was thinking like five and a half, 
five, somewhere around there, you know, a little bit more than a field goal, a little bit less than a touchdown. Three and a half, that's it. I don't I think you're right. I don't think there's a ton of belief that the Vikings are yeah. All that and that good. You're not going to see big point spreads because of the Giants record, the Jets record, the Vikings record. I mean, you're not going to see these teams favored by a touchdown because they're not that good. What the Vikings have played? Every game the Vikings have played have been a one score game. Is that correct? I believe that's other than the first one in which they lost. I I, or the or all five wins are one score games. All five wins are one score games. There you go. There you go. Right there. Nobody's going to give them. Going to make them an eight point favorite. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Suns off to a terrific. So far, and there is a lot to talk to the general manager about, including Jake Crowder, the latest there, and what is the reason for this hot start? We'll talk with James Jones. He'll join us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. Yeah, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. James Jones, general manager of the Sun, scheduled to join us any moment now, and we expect we'll be hearing from him very soon. Uh, while we wait for James, Jay Crowder, the situation was addressed last night during the national broadcast on TNT. Chris Haynes, NBA insider, sideline reporter for TNT. Oh, is it in the reset? I will play the cut. Thank you, Mitch. I'm going to play the cut. Let's Chris let you hear what Chris Haynes had to say, relaying Jay Crowder's statement on why he's not with the Suns. Here's Honestly, what he said. This is unfamiliar ground for me. This is my 11th year, and I've always been in camp and started to gear off with my team. The business of basketball has taken its course, and change and changes have come. I do not want to get the details just yet, but it's definitely not true of the narrative being pushed about me not starting or not. I can honestly say that I've had two great years with my teammates and the fans in Phoenix. I do not take that for granted. I'm forever grateful for the moments we share. Quote, it's definitely not true of the narrative being pushed about me starting or not. I can honestly say that. That's not the biggest narrative. The biggest narrative is you want a contract extension and they're not going to give you one. I think that's the biggest narrative. Um, More so than the, okay, you're going to come off the bench instead of starting. Because he wants money, he wants a contract extension. Yeah, I think that I think the two. I always thought the two kind of went hand in hand. Yeah, maybe, maybe in some ways they do. Maybe he feels like by going to the bench, if I'm getting less minutes and I'm not playing with Booker and Paul, I'm not going to be as effective, ding, and ding, that ding. will hurt my value. Ding, so ding, I go, ding. okay, I buy that. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'll buy that. that that's I, I had I had always thought the two were just very very intertwined, and to try to separate them, I don't know if you really can. You know, I, I mean, you're it, it, yeah, it is a contractual situation. Yeah, you do want more money. Yeah, you want that contract extension in part. Because you know that as a starter, you are going to get more minutes and more opportunity to kind of earn that money and get that contract as opposed to otherwise. That's the situation. We will address it in a moment. In the meantime, go ahead to hit it. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Prince and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. State of the Suns every Wednesday at 3.30. It's been a week since we spoke with General Manager James Jones and what a week it's been for the Suns organization. And he joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. James, congratulations on the early success on the season. It's been a good week for you guys, to say the least. It has. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a really good, productive week and just looking forward to Friday. We have another good good team in New Orleans coming in and, and we'll just 
hope to continue our momentum. Yeah, big win for them over Dallas without a couple of their key guys. But yeah, you guys beat Dallas, you beat the Clippers, you beat the Warriors. Let's talk about that game last night. Look, you were in this league for a long time. You were very successful. You know what it's like to be a champion and have teams coming after you on a regular basis. Uh, there's no rest for the, for the weary when you're a champion. You guys, the intensity level of that game for the fourth game of the season did seem like a game seven of the playoffs, didn't it? Um, and I was meaningful. It was a meaningful game. I think um, during the regular season, especially when you start the regular season, coming up the summer, everyone's itching to play. And, and when you play with the postseason in mind, uh, sometimes it can be a slog. You just think about, like, how do we get to the next game? But when you have games like yesterday, we have two really great teams, Hall of Fame players, all NBA players, and guys with a lot of pride and, and a lot of uh, success. You want to go out there and compete. And I thought yesterday both teams played at such a high level. Um, it, it made for entertaining basketball. What what about that win? Do you what what does that win do for this team? Does it does it just help build confidence? Does it do anything to to push you further along as the season goes? It, it gives us stress, right? I mean, you, you have to bring it to to beat that team, and so you you play with maximum effort, um, and, and they put you on your heels to see how you respond. I thought yesterday. Uh, both teams, especially um, early until we got ahead pretty far, both teams threw haymakers, and and the other uh, the opponent responded. I thought it was good for us, and I thought it was good for them, uh, because if we want to be the team that that we think we can be, uh, we'll have to beat beat really good teams. James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. Devin Booker, another brilliant performance last night with the 34, the 7 assists. Monty Williams, after the game, calls him probably the most complete player in the league right now. We were wondering before the season, like, what else can Devin Booker do to get himself better as a basketball player? What have you seen him do to make himself better? Because he's, he's been even better than he's been in the past so far this season. Well, Devin has Devin's always had the desire to be a complete player, and you know he moves on from mastery uh, of one craft to mastery in another area. And I thought coming into the season, he would he would take a step forward in handling the ball, decision making, understanding that teams would trap him, um, really having a command of the offense, and, and getting guys in the right spot so that they can be effective. But then defensively. He's really um, he's taking another step. I, I think it's the game has slowed down, and, and more importantly, he has the the bandwidth and the capacity to play both ends of the floor at a high level. Uh, it's really taxing when you're asking a guy to score 30 points a game. Uh, sometimes his mental reserves can be tapped, but he's he's proven that um, from a physical standpoint, uh, from an emotional standpoint. He's ready to take a larger role, and he's been doing that early in the season. Was driving the rim and attacking the basket something he was doing very well early in his career? Was that part of that kind of offensive evolution for him this year, to do it even a little bit more this year? No, I think he's done a better job of not forcing and just taking what the defense has given him. Um, you know, it's 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 tough. You know, you, you think that you can just flip a switch and say, hey, attack the basket, attack the basket. Well, you know, once teams understand what you're trying to do, um, they can take that away from you. So I think he's done a great job of being balanced, uh, you know, taking his spots and 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 being deceptive with his intent. You know, teams may think that he's looking for his jumper and he's looking to drive. And so keeping them off balance has allowed him 
to just show his full offensive potential. The narrative has been that that age is finally catching up to Chris Paul going into that game. He was one of 11 on three-pointers. He wasn't shooting the ball with open shots. But last night, we saw the Chris Paul that, that everybody fell in love with here in Phoenix with the way he played. He was fantastic last night. Knocked down four out of five three-pointers. The assists in the brain, the IQ, that will always work. But there has been a question about Chris's ability you know, to be that second or third scorer for your team. What did you see out of him last night? Uh, I saw Chris show up when a big game was there. Um, I, I saw the fourth game of the regular season in, in a season where, you know, you're trying to balance and, and figure out how, how do you finish strong. Um, the narratives will change game to game. That's the beauty of our game, our sport. You know, a guy can have, you know, a 19 for 19 field goal uh, attempt game and, and make all his shots. And, you know, it's the, the highest of highs or he can have, you know, a, a down game and it can be the lowest of lows, but we still know um, if you, you canvas this league, you'll, you'll be tough. It'd be tough to find a better point guard, better leader than Chris. And so, um, you know, our, our, our goals are long-term goals. Our goals are figuring out how we can be effective now and in the future. And, and I'm pretty confident as we get through the rest of the season and our guys continue to develop with this, you know, these opportunities for Mikel and Cam and, and DA and, you know, Jock and those guys to take a heavier offensive role. I think you'll see Chris step in when he needs to. And last night was a game we needed him to do it. And he came through in a big way. There's only been seven players in the history of this game that have started over 50 games at that position. He's one of seven guys that have ever, that have ever done it. Um, give me the, the, your thoughts on, on his age and how you get him through age 37 into 38 still being an effective player for you. Well, that's a, a question that everyone asked, right? I mean, we know Father Time is what they say undefeated. Um, but in today's game, um, guys do so much behind the scenes that that helps them play beyond their age. You know, for us, it's just continue to focus on how we can, you know, surround him with players that can help him, that can, can lighten the load so that he can be more aggressive offensively. Uh, be, I, because I think somewhere lost in his 11,000 assists um, is is – is the reality that Chris is a really good offensive player, and so many times he has to worry about others. So, um, as you you know, lighten his his creative load, I think you'll see him you know be able to make up for whatever. Uh, production is needed by being a better offensive player. James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show for his weekly visit with us. It's always a pleasure to have him on. I want to ask you about Chuck Landale. We had him on the show yesterday. Really nice guy to talk to. Goes out on his birthday. Has a great game. Is it? Is this exactly what you expected from him or is this more than what you expected from him when you swung the deal for him, James? I mean, uh, he's he, his production, um, you know, you never really know. Um, it's a new system, new team. You know, I felt that with him uh, joining our group, we he'd be able to put himself in the position to be successful. Um, what I am continually impressed by is just his consistency of effort. I think everything that Jock does day in and day out, if it's an off day, a practice day, or if it's a game day or his birthday, he brings it. The same intensity, the same focus, the same joy, and uh, and almost, um, you know, innocence in the sense that he, he has no pre- preconceived notions or expectations of how it should go. Uh, he just plays and, and lives with the results. And so I thought last night on his birthday, uh, where a lot of people make a big, you know, a big fuss about certain days, he was just like, hey, it was an opportunity to play the game at the highest level against the champions and, and prove that I belong. And I think every day he goes out there to do it, and he's been showing that he does belong. 
Last night, Jay Crowder provided a statement to Chris Haynes of TNT that was read off during the broadcast. Is there is there any sort of an update or any sort of a evolution in that story from your perspective when it comes to Jay and your desire or your ability to trade him at this point? No, I have nothing to add to that situation. Um, I've said before, when we have a resolution, we'll have a resolution. Um, last night was about you know, uh, competing and, and trying to, to beat a good opponent at home, and we did that. And, and so we'll continue to try to figure out how we can improve as a team, and uh, that will remain our focus going forward. Some people have speculated that one of the reasons that Dario's not getting any minutes is, you know, maybe as part of a future trade. I, I did see him struggle in Europe, so my thought is that he just wasn't really ready to play NBA-type minutes on, on a regular basis. Give me, give me uh, the update on Dario. Is, is he close to getting more minutes, and why has he been limited to just two minutes so far this season? I mean, Dario's progressing fine. I mean, Dario is has he, he's been out of basketball for a year, and and he's making his way back. I, I think more than anything is that we still have a lot of depth on this team, and sometimes it's just as simple as matchups and, and opportunities and 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 the flow and and any opponent. Um, you know, when it if it, the opportunity presents itself, uh, extremely confident, physically he's ready, mentally he's ready. Uh, when his number's called, he'll produce like he always does. And, and until that time comes, he'll continue to focus on improving and we'll continue to focus on how to make sure that he's ready for when, when his number's called. Well, thanks for the time again, James. We appreciate it. Good luck against the Pelicans on Friday. We look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, James. James Jones joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line, general manager of the Phoenix Suns, the three and one Phoenix Suns off their win last night against the defending champ Golden State Warriors. As always, what a win! What a win! What a win! We've been talking about it all day. That was a lot for for a, a late October, early season game. Man, that was a lot of fun to watch that game last night. Texas, your thoughts on the state of the Suns right now? The FanDuel text line is there for you at six twenty six twenty. When we come back, we were all pleased with the Suns following last night's victory. Is there anything about that win that has us a little concerned? We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Alright, just real quick because we just got done talking to him. Um, one quick takeaway from James. Um, it, it, his answer to the Chris Paul question about focusing on the long term and about what's better for the Suns down the road as opposed to the now does certainly seem like it's very deliberate what they're doing with him in trying to get other guys to pick up the scoring slack so that later in the season that will pay yeah. dividends, right? Yeah. I mean, that was probably my number one takeaway from that conversation was like, okay, we get the father time thing. We understand he's getting old and we gotta, we're going to have to manage that and we're going to have to figure that out. But this start that we're off to, think about the big picture. Think about the long term. Think about how we end the season and not how we begin the season. And and that, that was probably my number one takeaway. He didn't offer anything new about Jay. I didn't expect that he was going to. I, I could sense a little bit of frustration. I have nothing to add on, you know, on that. I think the frustration is getting to the point where I've got because that's that's a part like the Suns had a tremendous win last night against the Warriors. But part of the conversation is Jay Crowder spoke with Chris Haynes and said it's not because of this and not because of that. So you take the focus of attention off of a tremendous win. Yeah. A win that, you know, listen, at the end of the season, when we say what were the five best wins the Phoenix Suns had this year, that game will be in there. Okay, that game will be in there. You can put it in right now. 
You can take it and you can put it in that category. Five best wins of the Sun season. That's that's there. Mm-hmm. The Clippers game's not there. Kawhi barely played. The, the Mavericks game, I wouldn't, but the Mavericks game could end up being in there. But the Warriors game is definitely going to be in your top five best wins for the Phoenix Suns. Which is why I didn't want to ask him about it first thing. Because I, I didn't want, I, I, I that's not, that shouldn't be the top story from last night's game. It shouldn't be the second story from last night's game. It's certainly a question that needs to be asked of James. And it does, yeah, take away a little bit of a focus from what was a really satisfying win and what's been a really satisfying start so far. But at the same time, Jay Crowder provides a statement to Chris Haynes in the middle of the game. You gotta, you gotta ask the question. Um, it was a, very thoroughly satisfying game last night for the Suns to the point where you're already putting in the top five on the season and it they've only be. played four yeah. games. Mark this down. I, I mean, wouldn't you? Would you agree oh, that yeah, that no, will end agree. up being no, one of the top five I, wins? I, I'm just using that as a setup to kind yeah. of take us where we're going next because where we're going next is do we have any concerns about last night's game? Was there anything we saw? Concerns are probably the it's probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. is there anything about last night where you go, okay, hey, they're three and one. They just beat the defending champs, but dot Dot, dots, because I know what I would say. Cam Johnson. That's what I would say, too. Cam's not playing great. Yeah. He's not rebounding the basketball. He shot one for six last night. He had another game this year in which he was one for six. So he's not being that consistent shooter. See, I think one of the moves in, in getting Cam instead of Jay was, man, Jay is just so on and off, on and off, on and off. And so far, that's what Cam has been through the four games. He's on and off, on and off, on. Like he's basically he's Jay Crowder. He's the consistent, you know, the inconsistent shooter, inconsistent shooter that Jay Crowder was. And I think one of the reasons that they wanted Cam was they felt like Cam was more reliable as a shooter, mm-hmm. more reliable, more consistent. And and there were other things about Cam's game that they liked too. And he's their guy, and they were going to pay him money. And uh, but I do think the shooting was one thing that they felt that they would get a little bit more of a consistent guy, and and he seems to be much like Jay was. Now, these things can change rapidly. This time yesterday, we were concerned about Chris Paul and his three-point shooting and whether Father Time was coming to get him, and he goes out and goes four or five from the three-point line, right? These things can change in a hurry this early in the season, but I would totally agree. Cam Johnson just doesn't look comfortable yet as a starter. It doesn't look like he's really settled into that gig and what they need him to do. I, I would totally agree. The, the one thing that we thought, and again, it's really early, the one thing we thought was going to be a big concern, man, the bench came through again last night. I, I, they, they What, 42 yeah. points? 42 points. rebounds yep. for the bench, and they're getting great contributions all across the board. Dario's not playing. Bismack Biombo's not playing. Two nope. guys that we thought were going to be key bench guys, they're not. They, they can't sniff a minute I, in these games. I, I actually had Damian Lee played 15 minutes last night, but it was crazy because he came out of the game and, at, you know, at one point when he came into the game, he, he played like, honestly, like 12 straight minutes. And I had that in my notes. I'm almost like, man, I can't believe that he is, that he's still playing. I mean, he just played for a long period of time in a row and he wasn't great last night, but the bench has been a pleasant surprise and it's led by Landale. Landale, look, I'm not saying a guy is going to be six man of the year, <laughs> But, like, maybe he could be a candidate if he keeps this up. He's helping him offensively. He's helping him defensively. He gives them a physical presence and toughness that you've talked about. You know, he's a tough kid. Like, he's going to go in there and battle. He's not afraid to take a, a shot to the teeth or an elbow in the face or anything like that. He's going to go battle. He's going to give you everything he has. He's been really good. Look, campaign. 
He's been better. Like, I'm not as concerned about campaign, um, you know, right now as, as, as I could have been. Like, I think he is, he may not be where everybody wants him to be, but it's not like campaign came out like, oh my God, they got to get a backup point guard. This guy's terrible. I don't feel that way about, about campaign. No, no, it's, I, I, not yet. I don't either. I mean, with me, I'm so very, uh, tentative about how I feel about him. Right. I just, I want to see a whole lot more before I make any, I'm not saying you over, but yeah. And I'm not saying you're reaching any definitive conclusions either, but I, I still got a long way to go. I'll say this about Damian Lee, man. He got the second most minutes off the bench last night. They trust him. 15, right? Yeah, 15 and 20 seconds, which is a little more than Landry Shamit, but not as much as Jock Landale. They trust him. I, I, I think they feel like even though he's not a, an elite scorer of the basketball, I, I think there's a completeness to his game that they like an awful lot. And, and Landale, man, he's just been, he's been physical, tough, I mean, fast for a big guy, right? I mean, I saw him block a shot on one end, haul ass down to the other end, right? And and just offensively create space for Mikel Bridges to to score a basket. He's been terrific. He's been a, a hell of a find so far for the Phoenix Suns in that regard. When we come back, Cardinals are dealing with injuries. The Coyotes had a dominant win. A former son is on his way to China. We've got the top stories of the day and the stuff we haven't even talked about yet. It's all in the 4 o'clock reset next on the Burns and Gambo Show.